Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm thrilled to be with John Rue. Uh, John is a copywriter, marketing strategist, award-winning speaker, and three-time, three-X published author, um, which we're going to be speaking about momentarily. He empowers business owners and online entrepreneurs to thrive with compelling, persuasive written copy that grabs and keeps attention, drives sales, and nurtures longer, more profitable customer relationships. His bat signal talent is writing emails that get high open rates and stellar click-through rates. He has written email copy for five Fortune 100 companies and leading entrepreneurs, including Kevin Harrington of Shark Tank fame. You can visit John on his website, johnroo.com. Welcome, John, to the podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Anne. It's great to be here. I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, So in the introduction, you say that you've um, written for uh, people like Kevin Harrington, Mm -hmm. an amazing, amazing salesperson. Um, Yes, he is. And he created a whole industry. Tell us about how you got to him and how you started your your journey in copywriting. Okay. Well, so the way I got through to work with Kevin is I met him indirectly. I, I connected with somebody on LinkedIn who was a longtime, she was a longtime client of mine named uh, Wendy Stevens. And she was a, big-time marketing strategist and serial entrepreneur. And she started a company in the pet nutrition space a couple of years ago. And lo and behold, one thing led to another, and she connected with Kevin Harrington, who became an investor and partner in the company. And I wrote copy and helped with content strategy and so forth for the company. And we all went as a team to a big pet industry trade show in Las Vegas last year. And when I heard that I was going to get to meet and have dinner with Kevin Harrington, I was thrilled, of course, but I was also a bit nervous. And can I talk about that a little bit? Oh, please do. Okay. Um, I, I have also 
connected with Kevin Harrington in a different way with a product. Uh, so I've connected with his company. Amazing. Absolutely amazing gentleman. Oh, yes, he is. And so I thought, okay, just thinking to myself, and this talks about a theme I would like to dwell on in our conversation is that relationships are so important to business. I mean, I met Kevin through a relationship. And I was sitting to myself thinking, okay, I'm about to have dinner with Kevin Harrington. What am I going to say and do? And I have read extensively How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I've spoken about it to audiences. I've done blog articles about it. I've talked about Dale Carnegie principles in each of my three books. And I thought, what would Dale Carnegie do? So I said, okay, I'm not going to pitch my services. I'm not going to brag about my accomplishments. I'm going to sincerely... Talk to Kevin about what interests him, both business and non-business, and I'm going to shut up and listen with sincere interest. It worked beautifully, and I did that sincerely. I had no ulterior motive, but we hit it off famously and have stayed in touch a bit, and there's a good chance we'll work together in the future. So for a copywriter to be able to connect with and have that kind of relationship with the inventor of the infomercial is a pretty cool thing. And if if I had gone and pitched him and tried to tell him how awesome I am, the conversation would not would not have gone the same way. So, so I think there are plenty of lessons there that we could unpack that we don't have time to unpack. But no, I I'm thrilled to. Uh, although we haven't done a whole lot of work together yet, other than through that that one company, I'm thrilled to say that yes, I do know Kevin Harrington. So uh, one of one of the things that I know about Kevin Harrington and also you is that it's all about the client and the message. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us more about that because I know that when he developed products that he was going to promote. He always had the client and the end user in mind. Right. Um, tell us how that relates to what you do in copywriting. Okay. Well, let me approach that a little bit indirectly, if I may. I actually, this is a somewhat humorous example, but it makes a good point. Imagine you say to your significant other, when I see you, Time stands still. Compared to you say, darling, your face could stop a clock. (laughs) You're going to have a different outcome, right? And similarly, Mark Twain was quoted as saying words to the effect of the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. It, It or no, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning, or something like that. So the the point is that words matter. And you can't make sales with just words. You have to have copy that is salesmanship in print. And that, that's what copywriting is. Now, a lot of people don't like the idea of selling. We've been 
sold this bill of goods that somehow selling is a bad thing. Well, I look at it like this. If you have a product or service that's going to help somebody solve a problem and make their life better, don't you have an obligation to sell it to them? And I believe in this concept so so profoundly that that was a topic of my second book. The title of my second book is Sales is Not a Dirty Word. And it's a great book. I have it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I would tell people that in no disrespect to what you learned in Mrs. Smith's high school English class or in college, you almost have to unlearn proper English to become a good copywriter. You have to learn to write in a basic fashion. Uh, as a general rule, think fifth to seventh grade as opposed to graduate school. I feed all my copy through the, the Flesh Kincaid grading system. And there were a couple of times I've hit fourth or fifth grade. And I go, yes, I did it. I wrote like a fourth grader. <laughs> uh, but people think we, we need to have all this highfalutin, complex, puffed up language, and it's just not so. You want to have a clear, simple, basic message. It's like I've heard said, and I truly believe that confu a confused mind doesn't buy. You want your message to be crystal clear, and you want it to be conversational. You know, you don't have a big puffed up message like brands do this, brands, blah, blah, blah. No, it's like, just like you and I are having this conversation. That's how you want your copy to come across. And you, th you think in terms of the buyer's interest. They have a problem. You have a solution. People buy based on emotion. I use the example from a copywriter named Kevin Donlan, who I greatly respect. He was called in on a project. And this is the point of this is to write with emotion because people respond emotionally. We're all emotional creatures. And I have this theory that the people of us who think, those of us who think we're the most logical are actually the most emotional. We just don't want to admit it. But Kevin was called in on a project. or a, a course that parents buy for their high school students to succeed with the SAT test. And it wasn't selling well. And their headline on their sales page was results obsessed test prep. It's not very compelling, right? Kevin only made one change and he changed that headline to mom, dad, I got rejected again. The results were night and day different. So wow. people buy based on emotional factors. And you still need to have some logic thrown in there, but you use logic to use emotion to help them make the decision to buy and logic to help them justify the decision. And one lesson I would 
leave to your listeners and to anybody I talk to or speak to is that keeping in mind that, I mean, we don't, there's a lot there to unpack. We don't have time to unpack it. But Gary Bensavinga, now retired, but one of the all time greatest copywriters, said on his blog, and I think he got the idea from Jay Conrad Levinson of Guerrilla Marketing fame. The idea of what are you really selling? Now, this could be if you're doing in-person sales. If you're selling to, if you're a business owner selling your product or service, it could also be selling through copy. What are you really selling? He used the example of a plant nursery that sells landscaping supplies and trees and so forth for homeowners. Obviously, they sell grass seed, but they're not really selling grass seed. He said they're, if they want to have maximum success, they're selling a lush, green, beautiful lawn your neighbors will admire that will enhance your property value. See, the grass seed versus that, that's a big difference. And it reminds me of what the great, late, great David Ogilvie said. And he was an advertising genius. He's called the father of advertising. But he did a video probably back in the 60s that's still on YouTube called We Sell or Else. And the bottom line is advertising is supposed to sell products. Well, he was quoted as saying, tell the truth, but make the truth fascinating. And so I would tell everybody who wants to have a more compelling written marketing message is that very thing. What are you really selling? Talk about that and sell the truth or tell the truth, but make the truth fascinating. Now, one way you can do that, and this goes to the power of storytelling, I, I tell in my speaking biography, it's true, it's literally true that I danced on stage with Paula Abdul. And I tell that, that story, but I don't usually reveal the rest of the story until later. I was dancing on stage with Paula Abdul, but I was one of 40 people on the stage who she was leading through some dance maneuvers. She was a keynote speaker at a conference I attended, and I was sitting on the front row, and she invited some people to come up, and she would show us some dance moves. And I was one of 40 people over in the corner trying not to trip, but going through the dance moves. But it's true. I danced on stage with Paula Abdul. So I think the lesson there is, of course, be honest, but tell the truth, but make the truth fascinating. Yes, for sure. Um, so before we uh, got onto the Zoom, we were talking about relationships. Mm -hmm. And so much of copywriting in today's world um, and entrepreneurship, ha it has to do with relationships, the relationship of the company, the relationship uh, that they have with their clients, 
and the relationship they hope to have with their clients. Right. Um, tell us about how that plays into what you offer in copywriting. Well, I will say one way it plays into that is, and a lot of e-commerce companies don't understand this, and I would love to help them to understand it. I have subscribed to many e-commerce email lists where the first thing they did is, boom, buy now, save 50%. And people don't want their, their inboxes flooded with email, with sales messages like that. They just automatically tune them out. And it's just not very original, not very imaginative. And if all you do is say, buy now, say 50% today, 20% off today, you're going to cost yourself a lot of sales opportunities. People who subscribe to your email lists want a relationship with you. And email and other forms of copy too can be a very intimate medium that allows you to do that. So you tell stories, you get to know them. You may even send an email that, where you ask them to reply and get them involved in, in, in the, the communication process. But I would say if you want to build a relationship with your reading audience, and you do, don't just, and this is somebody who I'm paid to help people sell products, don't come right out and just start selling. Tell your background story, uh, tell success stories, talk about them. And even when you do have a sales message, unless it's a very specific time, like you know that they're ready to buy right now, make it a sales message that gives them, that, that talks about their pain and, and the benefits you have and how you can sell them help them solve their problems and so forth. And if you, if you are a freelancer or consultant, someone looking to build relationships to get clients for yourself, don't go on to, you know, connect with somebody on LinkedIn and Facebook. And I get this all the time and connect with them and immediately send a pitch. Get to get to know them first. You know, talk about what interests them. Uh, share their content. Help them. Serve with no expectation of getting anything in return. That kind of thing. And I will say that I love doing the online thing, but nothing takes the place of meeting people and building relationships in person. So if you have the opportunity, go meet people in person either locally or at events where you, you, you travel to. Certainly. And, and that makes it so much more interesting as well. Um, how much do you think AI has affected um, what people are doing in terms of copywriting and, and writing in general? I think it has. And it's, it's something I'm keeping an eye on in my own career. 
I think it is going to weed out a lot of people who don't have great copywriting skill because it can, you know, if, if your job is just to write plain vanilla boilerplate type messages, you know, like a, a compliance regulation copy for a bank or something like that, that can be done largely with AI and perhaps a, a human editor. I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think AI messages are yet to the point where they they truly can take the place of of well-written copy that grabs people's emotions and persuades them to take action. But I think if you're in any kind of entrepreneurial position, you always need to be ready to, pardon the overused word, but pivot because things change rapidly. And if I were to find out that, that AI had become so pervasive and had taken that many copywriting opportunities away, I would go do something else, uh, which is, says to me that if you have the skill of copywriting and persuasive communication in general, that's a very portable skill. I mean, I could take the copywriting skills I have along with the speaking skills I've gained through Toastmasters and speaking to different groups and so forth and use those in a number of different areas. I, I could succeed in, in things other than freelance copywriting for clients. So having that skill, even if AI put me out of business tomorrow as a freelance copywriter, I could go do something else. Sure. I would, I would also add that people think that AI can do all of it. It can't. It can't. It's it, only can't as, it can't strategize. It can't strategize. And it's only as good as the information you put into it. Right. And so if, if you don't understand the best way to communicate, you're not going to get an e effective and efficient message coming back. And that's where people like you and your skills um, are so valuable uh, for the people in business and entrepreneurs and people who, who want to get their message across. I, I agree. And I would say that if you're not a trained copywriter and you don't know what good copy looks like, and you were to use an AI program and super duper prompts and you took what it spit out, how would you know if it's good copy? And it, you might put it out in the world and it might bomb. Of course, the same thing can happen with a human copywriter, but uh, if you are going to use AI, you want to know if, or at least have a gut feeling, is this good copy or not before you use it? Because it, the words you use affect your brand and affect your, your sales results. So uh, it's, not, it's not an all-encompassing panacea by any means. And one thing I look at with the, the AI thing, and is that QuickBooks didn't put accountants out of business. Um, 
computers didn't put engineers out of business. So time will tell if AI puts copywriters out of business. Oh, I don't think I don't think it ever will. I don't will. think so. I don't think it ever will, especially because there are a lot of people who don't have um, a lot of the writing skills that um, because their zone of genius isn't in writing. Their zone of genius is someplace else. Right. So, for instance, in my business, um, yeah, there are, there are certain skills that I have that are great, but I need help with the skills that I don't have. And I also need help with areas of my business that I can't see because I'm in too deep. I can't right. look at it from the outside. And so copywriting is definitely uh, so incredibly valuable um, in terms of business going forward. So your latest book is uh, gold mine, A Goldmine Outside Your Front Door. Tell mm -hmm. us about the book and um, how you decided to write it. Well, since my specialty is writing email copy and helping people do email marketing, I decided to write a book that focuses on email copywriting and marketing. And the gold mine outside your front door idea is a metaphor for business owners and companies who have a an e email list. They may be using it and not getting as much value and profit extracted from it as they could, or they may be letting it sit dormant. And they're looking for this, that, and the other thing to help them attract more customers and make more sales, including repeat sales, which is something a lot of people in business overlook. But the gold mine, instead of going off to a distant land to find new, uh, new gold mines, if you will, the gold mine outside their front door is their own email list. And I talk about different ways to succeed with email marketing and copywriting. And uh, I, I even, I quote poet Robert Frost. This is something a lot of people never think about when it comes to writing copy. Robert Frost said, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be crying literally when you're writing, but it means, and I truly believe this, that your emotional state and your mindset as you're writing affects the quality of your words and is somehow felt by your audience. And I use the example. I was at one time doing the match.com thing. Now that's a whole nother story <laughs> we won't go into, but I think it was 2011. I was doing the match.com thing and it, I was in a dating dry spell and I was talking to a trusted friend, a female friend who we were brainstorming why my profile wasn't getting getting me dates. And she said, John, you're a writer. Put these skills to work. I thought, well, duh, I'm a copywriter. So I went home and I got in the zone 
And I even had tears in my own eyes like Robert Frost. And I, I wrote a love letter to my future wife. And I posted it on my Max.com profile. And the response was overwhelming. And I went out with a lady who even said, she said, your profile made me cry. And I'm thinking, oh, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> but I lived out, even though I didn't know the quote at that time, I lived out Robert Frost's quote of no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. And I subsequently joked that, by the way, I'm still single. So I think I'm a lot better at marketing and sales than I am at product uh, fulfillment and delivery or whatever business metaphor you want to use. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I talk about ways to have more successful email marketing campaigns in the book. And even though it talks about email marketing, there are lessons there that are more that are applicable to other copywriting and marketing and business avenues as well. And well, it's it, it's it's broken down into a series of individual chapters. You know, each chapter has its own discrete lesson and it could be a standalone article in and of itself. And most of the things I wrote were blog articles at one point, which is one lesson I have for anyone wanting to write a book is that you're not writing war and peace with this grand overarching narrative. You don't have to do that. You can take your previous content and repurpose it and put it into your book. So writing a book doesn't have to be this massive undertaking that you might think it is. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and getting back to a previous book of yours, uh, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Um, we're all in, in the business of influencing people on an, a, a daily, hourly, and a minute basis. Uh, with just our presence, whether it be for business or personally, um, it's all about the relationship we have and how we communicate. And certainly that's what your books do as well. Well, thank you. I try. I try as well. Um, so I thank you so very much. Tell, tell our listeners where they can find you. Well, they can find me on my website, johnru.com. That's J-O-H-N-R-U-G-H.com. From there, they will find a, a link to my LinkedIn profile. or it, they're welcome to send me a message through the, the website contact form. You just say, hey, I, I heard you on, on Ann's podcast. And if they have any questions, they want to connect, talk about a specific marketing project or whatever, uh, they are welcome to contact me. Thank you so much. All of that information will be in the show notes uh, for people to find. So 
definitely for our listeners, please check out the show notes. Um, I also loved your um, postings on YouTube. Uh, Thank you. I watched and listened to some of your YouTube um, uh, reels, and they were wonderful. Thank you. So I thank you so very much. Again, your website is johnrue.com. It'll be in the show notes for everyone to find. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Anne, and everybody listening. It's, it's been a pleasure, and I sincerely appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you. Thank you.